Um, no, so everyone, I guess, uh, welcome. This is a Web3 marketing discussion with Mickey over here. Lovely Mickey. Uh, I actually don't know how we cross paths, man. It's been a while now. Um, I think I reached out to you most, most likely. But anyhow, um, pretty much, uh, Mickey is the founder of Arcadia Marketing, and I'll let Mickey introduce himself too. And we're just going to have like a fireside chat with him about Web3 marketing, what makes good, bad marketing, uh, building Arcadia and his experience and journey and doing client projects as well. Uh, so Mickey, man, introduce yourself. Let's go. Sure. Yeah. And anyone that has any questions, I'm like probably one of the most transparent people you meet. So fire away. But yeah, actually, the, the way that we met is I straight up just applied to surgeons one day. Um, someone was like, hey, you need to get in here. This was like the day after you guys started letting people apply. So I was like, fuck it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to like just show a little bit about myself and then, yeah, I think that's just how we got connected. But um, anyways, what is up, everyone? I'm Mickey. Um, I'm an 18-year-old uh, entrepreneur. That sounds cringe as fuck, but whatever. I'm from Alabama, United States. Um, I've been in the Web3 space since 2017. I bought XRP at like $4. So <laughs> that's how I got in. Um, and yeah, since then, I kind of took my time off. I've been always a person that's trying to think of innovative ways to make money. So selling sneakers, um, doing like wholesale real estate, uh, you name it, I've probably done it. And in NFTs, I kind of entered the space purely here for monetary gain, right? Like a lot of people. And during that time of just being like a degen trader, kind of realized that there was a major gap that needed to be filled for marketing agencies that could genuinely market a project and properly portray a, a client's USP, right? Um, like the marketing was so shitty. It was basically just, you know, whitelist giveaways, um, this hopium false bullshit. So I was like, hey, uh, there needs to be someone who can come in uh, for, for genuine projects and be able to market a project in a way that separates itself from the rest of the, the, the sphere, the realm of other projects. So I um, started a marketing agency called Arcadia Marketing. And we are um, an all-in-one digital marketing agency. So we do influencer promotions, collabs, um, content marketing. We handle it all for our clients. Uh, so far, mm -hmm. we've helped clients raise over $80 million through NFT sales, secondary marketplace volume royalties, and uh, yeah, and amass close to 4 million followers across all platforms. So yeah, that's the 30,000-foot the overview of who I am and what I do. Man, that's beautiful. Hey, um, I, I just wanted to ask as well, marketing is such a broad topic and it's what I believe is actually a challenging skill to be excellent or to drive results for. Like you really have to, there's like, as, as we were discussing before, there's like marketing plans, everyone can create a marketing plan, but it's also down like your execution, your ability to understand how to position and message things to the market, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what kind of, skills uh what kind of like maybe traits of you have allowed you to excel in your marketing career in web3 like what are those unique traits about yourself that differentiates you against your competing marketers yeah so i'd say that when i was just trading i don't flip nfts anymore i just pretty much hold but when i was trading nfts um and just you know following different projects on twitter on um the, joining discords there was no difference in marketing. It was like 
people were using the same shitty um, saturated campaigns for every project. Like I mentioned earlier, the whitelist giveaways, um, the, 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 the roadmap, like, I mean, it was just, uh, it, nothing stood out to me. Right. So yeah. I'm a big believer in like um, necessity is the mother of invention. So I was like, the, these really good, genuine projects, like the ones that are VC backed, um, the ones that have actual fulfillable roadmaps, the ones that, you know, might be around for years to come, they were being marketed the same as, you know, these free mint, like jail turtles. I don't know if you remember them, but it was all the same. So I was like, hey, I want to help people who deserve to have a platform obtain that platform. Um, and I think that just, you know, close to a year of um, grinding, uh, seeing all these different projects come to market, I've been able to um, you know, obtain different tools to measure, uh, my clients, audiences, targeted demographics. There's like, there's so much stuff that goes into marketing versus just, you know, posting and we can uh, get into more of that later. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Let's, let's talk about like the inception of, um, Arcadia marketing. Then and we can talk about the types of projects that you've got going on there just to get an insight into the, um, into the operations that you've got at that, um, agency. Yeah, so actually, back to when I was just a, a, a degen trader, uh, I had a few brands hit me up saying like, hey, we, we'd like you to do some social media management. So I was doing a little bit of that, and more and more people kept hitting me up. So I was like, fuck it, you know, I'm just going to start an agency. So um, the way it works now is we have 15 full-time people working for Arcadia, from collab managers to copywriters to um, content creators. Uh, they're, they're, it's a, it's a pretty well-oiled machine. And right now we're only working with, with two projects. Um, we're, we're scaling down. Definitely. I just am really trying to focus over on quality instead of quantity. Um, and that's Artie's, um, and Helix Metaverse, two super sexy projects. Um, yeah. both are one raised 4 million and other raised close to 750k. So that that's what we're working on now and we've worked with like 25 plus projects. Most of them are under NDAs, but I'll post them all in chat later. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um now like looking into the into marketing and web3 as well. What are the different types of roles that you uh, see that are important to like a project success in this space? So you mentioned copywriting, content writing, you know, everything that goes around with Twitter copy. What, what other things do you think contributes to like marketing success? I believe like collaboration management is really important as well. Yeah. So like my agency is three branch. So we have the influencer marketing that's self-explanatory. You know, we work with the, the top people um, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to name drop anyone, but you know, you get a pretty good feel for who, who those guys are. Uh, collaborations, obviously a huge aspect. I'm a big advocate for AMAs being able to get in, um, and, you know, showcase your project. And then of course we have the content marketing. So this is, you know, every single post that goes live, all the discord announcements. Um, but you know, it, yeah. it, it, our marketing campaigns are definitely, um, they're contoured towards what our client needs. For example, Helix is a play and earn game, right? So we're, and they have a playable game, which is something that very little people can say right now. So 
we're trying to target Web2 gaming communities. And through that, we're utilizing some some Web2 methods of communication, like email marketing. Uh, we've collected over 100,000 email addresses of people interested in a free airdrop for that game. We've been emailing them, and they're, they're going nuts on the email. Uh, they don't know how to work Discord yet, but <laughs> we're teaching them. So it, it just depends. Yeah. Email, and so, like, let's talk about that email marketing campaign as well. Are you sending those emails to just generally people that are interested in games, such as within the niche of, like, Helix, or are these actual NFT traders that you've been able to get an expression of interest from? Yeah, so on Helix, we actually put out a thing on their website, like a little form, and it was essentially said, like, free airdrop into your email address if it's free airdrop. And we said that, you know, the the chances of winning your airdrop would go up as you got more referrals. So obviously we got like a million entries of bots and everything. And then we went through and verified those emails. And you'd be surprised at the data you could get from just um, looking at someone's email address. And, you know, we selected a pool of those users who we deemed would be interested in something like Helix. We sent about 120,000 people an email about the upcoming drop. And it had about a 50% open rate, which is pretty insane. Um, people that were interested yeah. in our Discord, our pre-mint took off that day. Um, but yeah, and the, the best thing I think is when we emailed these people, we had the pre-mint link um, specifically for this email campaign. And then we had a link in there about how to set up a wallet and how to enter the pre-mint. And so many people were like, damn, man, this, this is cool. I've never learned how to do this. Thank you. So that was an interesting experience. Yeah, that actually leads me to my next thought, uh, which was, you know, most people in the space would have thought that email marketing would have been a, uh, well, maybe not even uh, an under-recognized tactic of Web3 project marketing. And so I wanted to tap into your thoughts here and ask what other tactics in Web3 marketing do you think are under-recognized or underutilized by projects? You know, everyone uses, like you said, Twitter giveaways, Everyone does uh, collaborations with different groups. Um, but those are like your kick cookie cutter marketing approaches in Web3. Do you think that there are other fields of marketing that are undervalued, underrecognized at the moment that yield a lot of results? Yeah, I might be sharing some like secret sauce to our agency, but happy to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone's aware of like the, the VC meta, whatever it may be. Um, but Web 2 is, you know, onboarding Web 2 to Web 3 is essential. And I don't want to sound like any everybody else that says, oh, we need to bridge the gap, yada, yada, whatever. But it's it's true, right? Like, that's where the main money is. So through email marketing, through LinkedIn ads, through things like that, it's an interesting way to connect with communities. But something that if you delve into it a little bit more and you don't pay attention to the surface detail, like what we do for a client, for instance, is um, say a client comes to us and they're wanting to market their project. They want to mint in like, let's just say a month. They already have 15,000 followers. Well, we can go into those followers. We can look at those 15,000. We can get a full analytics report for in-house software that we've built to look into their demographics. So where they're from, what their interests are, what times they're active, um, their sentiment towards different topics, um, et cetera. Um, and we love to apply this to our influencer marketing. So say a project, say 75% of that project's followers would be more in tuned to interact with an influencer who, let's just say, promotes blockchain gaming rather than one who promotes degen crypto calls. Then we're going to select influencers based off those demographics interests. And 
that's proved to be massively successful. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I think it just gets people to think more, more critically about the different types of creative approaches that you can take in marketing. Like it's more complex than just doing collaborations and giveaways, et cetera. It's, yeah, it's like so a much lot more of complex. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I started the agency because all the other methods, there were just so many methods being underutilized and, uh, when you target a demographic that specifically, and you're consistently just showing them for by using utilizing their favorite influencers. So let's just say like you pop up on one of my clients demographics, and you typically interact with these four influencers. And we're getting these influencers to consistently push out um, content related to my clients project, it just kind of gets ingrained in your brain. So come mint day, um, you know, you're just like, damn, man, I've been seeing this everywhere all the time popping up on my feed at the times I'm most active. And yeah, yeah. that's been, yeah. Uh, it's been a killer. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. Um, nice. Okay. So another question then I think natural from this is what do you think web three marketers, web three projects can learn from web two marketing approaches? What do you think is not being done well right now by a lot of projects and, you know, people should really look and extract these like plans, frameworks, uh, approaches from the web two space. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this kind of relates back to the founders and why they're in the project. So we try to be super selective with who we partner with, whatever it may be. Um, and we want founders that aren't in it necessarily for the, the monetary gain. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone's a business at the end of the day. But if you're doing if you're wanting to run campaigns strictly for monetary gain, you're going to attract people who are going to send the floor to below mint the day after. Um, typically. I think that something that's very underutilized is longer marketing campaigns. I typically like to aim for 90 days for my clients. Just so instead of attracting those flippers, you can handpick the people who are most interested in your project and, and bring them um, on board. Yeah. When you speak with your clients as well, I can foresee that a lot of the challenges that you may face is that you're doing this beautiful marketing to generate leads, generate interest and audience into the project. But then they get into the Discord and maybe the team don't have the necessary facilities, experience, uh, the environment to increase the stickiness of these you know, newly generated audience that you brought in to just stay in the community and stay engaged and supporting the team, right? It's like a, it's a two-pronged, a, a two-phase approach. And if you have a weak Discord community platform, then all your beautiful work might be going to waste. Likewise, if you have an amazing Discord community platform, terrible marketing, then you're not going to be directing the, the people into this thing that would drive project success. So I want to ask you, right, like when you're working with the projects with the clients that you work with, what advice, what do you do work around like structuring discords for them, structuring the community platform to keep these people there engaged with your project? Yeah, so I always tell my clients that like, Twitter, um, Instagram, whatever it may be, is completely social proof and aesthetic. Um, get them verified on there. Get them a lot of followers. It's it's aesthetic. It just makes them look good. But Discord is where you know when it comes time to to convert your your followers into investors. That's where that's where it happens. So to do that, you know, we have very good. And this depends on what package the client selects with you know, Arcadia, we can either recommend different agencies to go in and run the discord, or we can supply our own community managers. But, um, 
I think having a good staff of mods and community managers that are consistently, you know, running games, um, announcements are being consistently posted and they have substance to it. So like it, it's gotta be following, a. Uh, a content plan it can't just be you know random updates coming from out of the blue it all has to like incrementally build hype until that one day which is mint day um where hopefully uh you've been you know kind of teasing it for the last 90 days and you can you can convert yeah beautiful hey quick quick side question as well what has been the project out there that um, that you have a lot of respect for because of their marketing. Like you, you can just you can proudly say, yeah, that that project knows their shit. They do marketing really well. Yeah. Three uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we won't include surgeons. That's one of them. <laughs> uh, just for the sake. Um, but what I'm looking at right now is uh, Valhalla. I think that's how I say Valhalla. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What, yeah. What do you um, think about them? Because everyone is talking about it. It's sick, man. So, like, for those of you that aren't familiar, um, it's an invite only community. And the only way that you can, or I'm sorry, it's an application. Yeah, it's an application based community. And the only way that you can submit an application is if a previously member or a previously admitted member invited you. And those members only have three invite codes. So, I had someone hit me up the other day and was like, hey, you should apply. Here's a code. Um, and I was like super stoked. I, I was like doing the application, like, damn, man, this is exclusive as fuck. I hope I get in. And mm. I think that that like that niche of exclusivity, um, elite nobility, um, is super important in NFTs. So I was like, yeah, I really hope I get into this. I ended up getting accepted, and I was like teasing my 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 buds. I was like, who wants a code? And everyone was just like hype as hell. I was like, damn, they've they've done a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. That invite only application meta is is pretty prevalent right now. I think a lot of people are trying to strive for exclusivity. I mean, Reese, we were talking about this as well. Like, instead of trying to evoke mysteriousness, uh, try to evoke, uh, try to clearly portray your your value, like what you're building, but keep it exclusive. Like, make people want to die to get in there, so that when they get in there, they talk about it a lot. They're very vocal about it. I mean, also with Valhalla, right? They're taking that use approach where successful applications are also posted on Twitter. I love that. I love that. Yeah, they're doing great. When you get when you get admitted, you 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 bound to retweet it and share it share it with your network. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, when they um announced me, and you know, Utes did this too. They did it amazingly. They did it so well that they were like trending for like a month straight and ended up getting banned. But when they posted my success thing i had like 10 people dm me saying hey bro can i get a code and i was like what the hell this is crazy yeah yeah 100 okay now so that's 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 an example of a, a good 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 marketing approach um so upcoming projects now what do you think is like the common trap the common pitfall of most of the projects in the space and why they don't mint out especially as it relates to marketing what, are the, what do you think is like the common problems or like the common mindsets that just hold these founders back? Mm-hmm. I'd say, I'd say there's two main things. Um, first one is like, I'm not saying over allocation of whitelist is a bad thing, but um, I'd say that not being exclusive in who you allocate spots to um, is the uh, big killer of projects. Like when, uh, I know a lot of collab managers and just dealing with projects in the past. Like if you DM them for whitelist spots, you're automatically getting some. There's no um, process that goes into vetting. 
who they do collaborations with, um, etc. Like, uh, for instance, Magma, um, Magma, uh, the Alpha Group. You know, I was trying to get a collab with them for um, a client, and it's taken like three weeks. I'm like, this is insane, but it builds, um, you know, uh, essentially a, a factor of reliability for them. I know Llama, Llamaverse does this very well too. Um, but I've seen projects that are super. Um, not selective with who they partner with and when it comes down to mint day it's like oh shit you have whitelist oh shit you have whitelist and it's like all these shitty communities who shouldn't have whitelist have whitelist and it just is a testament to um you know how the how the founders and how the collab managers portray the the value of that brand and it's just flawed yeah yeah beautiful okay let me just quickly check the chat to see if we have any questions um nice yeah uh, Reese just sharing thoughts there. Um, beautiful. Okay. Now let's let's break it down a bit further. Uh, I want I want to dive in. So I don't want to show you trade secrets, of course, right? So you're going to keep you're going to try keep this high level so you don't dive into things that are too revealing. Um, <laughs> but for for your client projects in the past, what does a typical project look like from start to finish? Like how does this evolve from just you know conversing with your clients to getting started? What procedures do you have in place and how does your team work together on these projects? Because I presume that, you know, some of your team members work on multiple clients, right? They're context switching between different projects. and Correct, yeah. So, so I understand that process, yeah. Yeah, great question, great question. So um, my agency has been lucky enough to never need clients in a sense of, We've always been at max capacity and we've never done cold outreach. Oh. A lot of agencies, you know, will we'll DM random projects on Twitter, um, whatever it may be. Usually we have like a wait list and we can go back to them, call upon them. But um, usually how that works is we're, we're thrown in by a referral. Someone's like, hey, um, Arcadia is this great marketing agency. You should try them out. Or, you know, someone, I, I'm doing an AMA like this. Like I was literally doing an AMA one time and I met the founder of Artie's in there and he was like, and we just became really good friends. He's like, oh dude, you need to mark my project. I was like, sick. Um, so yeah, it's happened like that. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really skip the bullshit. Like we hop on a call. I tell them my methods, what I think I can do for them. Send them a proposal of... Um, essentially what I think the expected KPIs are going to be, how many followers, members, the new member retention rate, average engagement rates, whatever it may be. Uh, And I write up a pretty fucking detailed proposal, send it over, sign the contract, get paid and and start from there. So Nice. But when when you're talking with these clients as well, do they keep drilling you in, uh, especially in the early stages of these sales conversations, like, hey, what kind of metrics can you bring to me? What kind of followers, what kind of engagements can you bring to me? But it's hard to say that. Like, how can you guarantee it's that level of metrics when you don't understand or when you can't do some research or some testing for a couple of weeks to see what the market adoption is of that project, right? Do these people often drill you for those numbers? Ooh, great question. Great question. So um, to answer that, I'd say that it depends on a couple things, right? It, it depends on our past experiences with similar projects and how they've done. We can kind of estimate um, where we think they could be. But then I, I tell them, I'm like, hey, if you want to be at 250,000 followers in a month and you want to do it inorganically, we can. But that's just not going to, you know, that's not going to put you in a good spot. So we take a very organic approach through pre-mints, through email marketing, through, you know, whatever, maybe, um, and give our best estimate of, you know, 
where they can be. I've, I'm sure you know, you've seen projects with 190,000 followers and they're verified struggle yeah. to mint 25% of their collection. I've seen projects 17,000 followers on Twitter, um, you know, mint out within seconds. So it's, it's definitely another example of quality over quantity. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Now we have a lot of founders and builders in the space, right? Um, and I think one of the continuous questions and concerns that people go through is, I'm looking to mint soon, but I don't know when the right time is to mint. Like, so maybe it's good to dissect what you think the criteria is for minting at the right time. What do you think the founder should be seeing in their project? Or what do you think is the feeling that they should get from the community to know that, yeah, it's, it's a good time to mint. It's sensible if we mint in two weeks. Because yeah, I see so a lot of projects are just rushing to mint, but it's, it's very clear from an external point of view that they're just not going to go anywhere. Like, why wouldn't you just continue to build and try and find and drive new, new, uh, like revisit your business plan and try to do something new and, you know, be patient with growth, but they, they don't want to. <laughs> no, definitely. Great question. So um, I think having a timeline is important. Just kind of like what I said, through each announcement, through each tweet, um, you need to tell a story. It can't just be, you know, random giveaways, whatever it may be. So I think setting a, t uh, I'm sorry, setting a date for Mint is important. Um, but, you know, you need to be um, ready to adapt, right? Like, for instance, right now, um, Helix, they're aiming for like a 0.15 whitelist Mint and a 0.2 public Mint. This Mint no, it, they don't depend on this mint at all. They just raised three and a half million dollars. The monetary gain from this mint is essentially insurmountable. So yeah. I'm trying to tell them, you know, or I'm not trying to tell them, we probably will. Like, hey, ETH is in the shitter. USA just fucked their markets over today. You know, people aren't going to be able to afford this mint. So at the end of the day, we're going to need to come down. And when we tell people that we're coming down because, you know, we realize the markets we, 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 t we took in what ETH was doing, you know, it's going to go over well. Um, but yeah, I might have not answered that question. I hope that explains. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so Reese has a question. I'm not too sure, Reese, if you're probably outside or away from my phone, so I can ask a few if you want. Um, would love your thoughts on these metrics. Less than twenty two thousand real people on NFT Twitter. Less than fifty thousand people actively trading on OpenSea. Oh, okay. So I guess he's asking, like, how many people do you actually think are on NFT Twitter right now, especially with Ethereum? Because all these projects have like a hundred plus thousand followers, and you're just like, "What the fuck?" I swear, I see the same people everywhere on NFT Twitter. No, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny almost. Like we've like verified accounts with 450k interacting with some of my clients' socials, and they ha they get like two likes a tweet. Um, but those metrics that you sent out, like I I'd say that that's a that's in the uh, a good a good spot honestly like um i'd estimate somewhere around there uh yeah but so that's why it's definitely decreased like we've been doing a lot of market analytics of just like uh, we wanted to see the effect that the bear market had on twitter engagement essentially so we kind of looked up uh terms like nft terms like minting soon whatever it may be airdrop all the shilly nft terms and they were down exponentially 90 plus percent since november i don't need to tell anybody this wow. is like you know self-explanatory but even on twitter you know no one's tweeting yeah. about it anymore so that's why i think tapping into the web 2 communities through you know whatever it is email marketing linkedin ads um 
in ways that are, are, you know, organic promotion is important because we have 90% less people actively, you know, engaging with projects on Twitter. We need to tap into Web2 and bring them here <laughs> or else, you know, we're, we're marketing to 90% less people than we could have, uh, you know, eight months ago. It's like a, it's like a drying puddle of fish, man. The puddle is uh, shrinking and evaporating and we're just uh, the same, the same group is <laughs> just swimming in this tiny little puddle yep. shrinking every day. Yep. Um, Okay, sure. no, that's cool. That's cool. So I think that uh, is a testament to how, like, uh, <clears throat> so these these NFT projects, you know, myself, other NFT projects should imp- expand their horizon, their scope of marketing beyond just Twitter as a social media like marketing platform. We should explore other digital platforms to get in touch and encourage some Web2 audience to come and join your community to get started in their Web3 journey. Definitely. Um that that's a that's a big need and like this kind of points to like a point that i wanted to make and i'd love to get your feedback specifically mm. on like wh- what are your thoughts about projects using venture funds um investments to help mint out their project like i i'm not going to name names but there's been some pretty big mints in the last couple of weeks that you know they're, they're using these funds to sweep the floor mint out the project whatever uh, i have my thoughts but you know i love to hear yours too and put you on the spot <laughs> yeah it's it's like um i it's like nothing too new because like that kind of stuff does fundamentally happen in um uh, like the DeFi world especially back in the ico boom and um like happens back in in, in all stock and in, in all markets um i think the vcs coming in and helping collections mint out typically when i see a vc backing a project and depending on the VC, I think it's a testament to like um, their belief in the in the business or the product or the experience that they're building. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not like anti it. I'm I'm a bit you know for it. <laughs> it, it gives it it gives it uh, and also like bringing in this new money into the space is always healthy for us because if it wasn't for these VCs coming in with new money, um, even though it's going to the founders' pockets or it does sometimes go to the investors' pockets as well. Um, then I don't think we'll be getting new money elsewhere because the number of new entrants into the market right now is so small. I don't think NFT has a good rep with most of the people here. And then also with macro conditions and current crypto conditions, you can imagine that. Like you said, we're significantly down bad with the amount of new investors coming into the space every day. So I think VC activity is healthy. Uh, that's my take. I, I I might be controversial there. What do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think something along the same premises of that. You know, if a VC is backing a project, that essentially means that like they legally did due diligence into the founders, into the um, project, into the roadmap, and that project is essentially unruggable. I mean, nothing's unruggable, but you know, it gives investors confidence. And you know, if the project is transparent with their community in the sense of like they're like, hey guys. Um, we had X amount of funds raised in VC and as a form of compensation for those funds that we raised, our investors want part of the mint. Like, I feel like transparency is key versus mm. some of these founders that, um, you know, re- launched a project and are pumping their own volume and, you know, just saying that it's authentic. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you know, have to be transparent about it for sure. Cause if, you, if you're not transparent about it and people find that these couple of you're purchasing hundreds of NFTs, uh, then yep. it's just fundable content. 
and yep. come off dubious no matter how you try to justify it after after that being exposed after the fact. Well said, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, so then, so I guess you have a good pulse on what the next few months are going to look like in terms of like the, the type of projects that will succeed. What do you think are the attributes, like the traits of these upcoming projects that will succeed versus the ones that fail? Is it that VC backing? Is it that application-based um, exclusivity that they provide? Yeah. So, like, just to start, I want to put out uh, not financial advice, but I'm really I'm very bearish on the global markets right now. Um, U.S. is not going to stop raising interest rates. Um, the energy crisis in Europe is going to worsen, in my opinion. That's just going to you know it's just like it, we're, the the odds are stacked against us. So. Uh, you got to keep this into mind when marketing projects, uh, like the projects that I'm marketing now, Helix and Artie's. Helix has a, a playable game that essentially looks like GTA, where we can go into streams, AMAs, and we can stream a game on Twitch, and we can play it and walk around and drive and shoot at things and you know blow shit up, and it's just like a really unique opportunity um, where you uh, you're portraying your USP, um, which is you know unique selling proposition for those of you that don't know, uh, in a way where it's tangible, people can see it, um, you know, you can feel it, uh, you know, it, it's there versus a lot of projects where it's promises. I think that the days of the promise for roadmap are over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. Okay, by the way, anyone has any questions, please ask away. You can unmute your microphone and ask. We're just talking about it in uh, the event chat. So please do. We'll keep a couple seconds break just for just to see if anyone has any better questions to ask. Uh, beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, one of the burning questions that I had, uh, my, uh, Mickey, is was a founder that is coming up to starting their own project. What do you think is the best way to start marketing your project from day zero? Let's say your Twitter is just about to be created. You've got some branding assets ready to go. What do you think those first few days should look like? And do you think that the the start of a project's marketing and its, its success over the first few days is really a, a defining formative experience for the project's success in the long run? Yeah, I think that like something that we do with clients is the first time or the, or the first day that we're onboarded is we, we sit down with them and we, we orchestrate this 90-day content plan and we ask them to write down the reasons why they started the project and how they would like to portray those reasons they started the project. I think just being genuine and like, you know, it's, it's it sounds cringe, I know, but if you sit down and you write out everything that you want to say within 90 days, the message and the overall meaning you want to get across, um, I think that that's how you can actually grow a community super organically. Mm -hmm. Okay, beautiful. And then in the first in the first week, like let's say for example, I'm John Doe, I'm starting an NFT project. What are the things that I should be doing before I go live on Twitter? Should I be doing um, like should I be trying to get a uh, customer research, like investor research for potential people to validate my idea? Um, how should I be going to market in terms of Twitter, or should I just be doing collaborations in the background before I go live on Twitter? Yeah. Um... So my recommendation on that note would be uh, the, the days of, like I said, promised roadmap 
and non-unique PFPs are over. You need to really think about uh, and compare yourself with other projects in the market. Is someone doing this already? Does someone have a similar looking project? Is there is this a derivative? And you think to yourself, like, how can I focus on one thing that really sets my project apart and then push that out there? Whether it's the fact that, you know, you guys have leased an office and, you know, uh, everyone's in there on every Wednesday collaborating, posting about that. Like, people love to see, like, IRL connections and um, just unique yeah. aspects, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, we actually used to have... Um... Well, we still do go to the office on weekends and we go to the office like maybe on a Wednesday, et cetera, and we take photos together. <laughs> we take <laughs> well, photos yeah, and post it. That as well. You're saying the real life aspects here, but why can't it be approached as a Kickstarter then? Because you break down what a Kickstarter is, a Kickstarter is presenting a roadmap for an idea. Same thing as what NFTs used to do. Now, if you're attaching it to something tangible in the real world, can it not still be approached as a Kickstarter style project or not? Yeah, I mean, can you like reiterate your question? I'm yeah, not okay. sure. So, so what I was asking yeah. was because you were saying there's no more things you can't really do roadmap style projects anymore. Um, that's phasing out. Well, if you're attaching it to tangible goods, if you're attaching it to something sustainable that you can access in real life, why can you not then approach the project as a Kickstarter project? Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. So you're 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 saying that. Um, you can have a roadmap and then just kind of like Kickstarter does the people fund the, uh, a company based off of its vision. Is that correct. correct? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, like the, the vision would have to be damn good. In my opinion, I think that, you know, you should, if the vision is really that good where it would separate itself, um, apart, then you should just go, go to VCs and try to get VC funded because right now, you know, the average NFT trader is down probably 90% compared to November, and they're not going to want to throw in money for something that might happen when there are projects coming to market with ready available products. Okay, yeah. Well, I do have something to say about that as well, because you see on Kickstarter, sure. they're still getting very, very large rage, rate raises, except now you're incorporating two different markets. You're incorporating the acceleration of the NFT space, and you're also incorporating your Web2 aspects that Kickstarter does have. And you're combining that as your NFT, then. Yeah, uh, I think like at that at that level, we're just comparing Web two to Web three, yeah. right? Like the capital is completely yeah. different, the consumer is completely different. Um, yeah, it's like comparing the, the the market cap of stocks and crypto. Yeah, we got bad here. Um, okay, so now, okay, so someone's starting their project. John Doe is back here again. He's looking to do his NFT project, bring it to market, etc. Now, John Doe is also broke, and he's going to do marketing in-house. What are your favorite tools to use out there for everything relating to content writing, graphic design, making everything so simple and easy to use for John Doe? Yeah, um... Something I wouldn't really recommend coming into starting a you know an NFT project broke, <laughs> but let's just say that they did. Uh, I'd always recommend having at least two to three percent of your intended raise saved for budget. So if you're trying to raise a million dollars in NFT sales, have twenty to thirty k. But in this hypothetical, he has no money. Um, there's some tools that I like to use. I'll paste them here. Like um, this 
UI called Follower Wonk. It allows you to see the demographics of, you know, all of your followers. We don't use this, by the way. I used to uh, see the demographics of all of your followers. You can search bios, um, you, you know, wow. see like a common phrase bios have. And you can really try to get an opinion for people with anime profile pictures. If you're launching an anime style project and you have no money, you're going to want to, you know, automatically engage with those who have anime NFT style profile pictures. So there's like little ways you could do it like that. Follow a wonk. Hectic. I'm going to actually try and try and use that. For sure. It's, it's sick. It's like 20 bucks a month or something. And, you know, you can see everything about a project and it has this, has this really cool thing called, social authority score um it's basically uh, a score out of 100 that um i'm basically like promoting them yeah sponsor me um but it's a it's a score out of 100 that essentially uh is attributed to a brand's influence so whenever i try to launch a project and most of them have below a 70 social score um you know i'm like hey we need to get above the 70 mark that's my goldilocks zone for a mint and the that that social score People, I, just through my experience, I've deemed that followers with over a 40 social score are potential investors. And when I write these reports for my clients, I'm like, hey, guys, we went from previously only having a thousand people following us with a 40 social score to now we have 5,000. Like we just 5x the amount of potential investors that we have. And how can we particularly target that group and the influencers that they would interact with? And how can we get those influencers to post? That's beautiful. So social score, does that come out of follower mark as well? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, all okay. about what I just explained is in-house, yeah. Okay, okay, nice, nice. Jagsy, uh, you, you, so uh, maybe we can get some information from you as well, Jags. You say that you use this for collaborations. How do you do that? How do you use follow along uh, via collabs? Yo, yo, what's good? Hey, what's good, yo? I um, haven't used much, but I was using it like a few weeks ago. And it's one of my founder. He gave me this one. He said, you can use this one. Um, For me, it was more to see and sort of track followers. And when I was looking, let's say I need um somebody from surgeons and I'll look for surgeons NFT right there. And it will give me um key names, which belongs to surgeons. And how many how many PFPs and how many followers and all that data there. So it made my life quite easier to track people for my collaboration job. Yep. I like that. I like that. Man, esteemed, we're leagues behind, bro. I don't even <laughs> start looking into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is just a testament to like how yeah, yeah. Like no. these these things that we uh, would have definitely done if we were building an e-commerce store, like understanding demographics and diving in and understanding the behaviors of these different people was something that we undervalued and unrecognized when we were building surgeons. I think understanding of your your, your audience who, who, who's been interacting with your project allows you to better, uh, well, I guess, be in tune with what their needs are and tweak your messaging and positioning, therefore, for your future copy and marketing campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's so much value behind data when you have like tangible data of your audience. Yeah, agree on all points. Well said. So, um, so let's say for example, I was able to get data on what my audience is. What? How do you normally break down from here um, using these insights? How to make them actionable? Yeah. Uh, can I share my screen? 
hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought I'd just show instead of um, explain. One second, let me get logged in here. So, I've just put in um, Surgeon's NFT on the followers, um, the follower Wong, and you'll be surprised to see the results in there. So, can, can everyone see my screen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, get, all right. Fuck, I, I'm not used to sharing my screen, but okay, maybe you guys can still see it. So, um, I go over here to reports and downloads, and these are like ones that I've done in the past. So, let's just go to Helix Metaverse, for example. These take a while to download, but, um, you know, what was that? That's really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's that's my didn't mean to <clears throat> put that in there. But um, so, yeah, so we have the Helix Metaverse Twitter followers. We have that social authority score that I'm talking about, and it's at 74 now. When we started with them, um, it was below 45, which is a, a really significant increase. So you can come down here. You can see like demographics. Uh, and you know where people are from where you're targeting you can even zoom in and get like super detailed results uh can you still see my screen by the way am i all good yeah yeah yep. okay cool so yeah there's that and then you know you can really see who you're targeting just kind of cool for the founders to like substantiate who they're reaching because you know they've been working on this for a while we like to show them who's paying attention most active followers so I used to use this before we developed our own thing. It basically does the same thing, but does the same shit. Uh, just tells you when your followers are active, and that's when you should post that tweet for the day. I always recommend posting at least once a day. It's really big. Um, so that 10 a.m. time frame, beautiful. Um, so, yeah, this is just to kind of show you um, what terms you've been using the most. There's just, like, these different, like, most used words. So here is a, a, a huge thing. So um obviously we've we've been working with some high level influencers so we're, we're getting uh I, i'd say a lot of botted interaction which is primarily you can tell bots whether one to a 20 social score like thirty six thousand of these followers and like i said i'm being transparent this is one of my clients we don't bought but just through doing giveaways and whatnot bots come so thirty six thousand followers are most likely bots um and then like i said those people who are most likely to invest are those with or above um, a 40 social score. So right here, um, we have 6,800 people, then 3,000. So we're looking at close to 10,000, and then however many from this group had 40. So let's just say that there's 10,000 people following our Twitter that you know I would deem to be potential investors. And you know that's not a, always accurate. I'm sure there's some with less that end up investing, but kind of just um, a cool you know metric to look at. Do you know how that thing is calculated? the score for the account let's look at it okay beautiful i only have a, a social authority of 43 i'm like i i i own a marketing agency and i don't even run my own twitter so like <laughs> um so yeah this is this is what we got going here it says uh composed of the retweet rate of users last few hundred tweets the receipt of those tweets uh vanity score engagement oh, metrics nice. whatever that means yeah i like to just say it's influence like if you're influenced ideally you just want someone that's like making their personal posts every day trying to personally brand and connect with their own network as opposed literally, to yeah like yeah. yeah yeah account ages this is cool too um to see like you know a lot of bot accounts were created 
I'd say familiarly recently. Um, so yeah, that's a it's a cool metric. Recency of tweets. If the account is tweeting rather than just retweeting, that's also pretty big. Um, so yeah, there's like a lot of just like maybe not insightful data, but interesting data. Like I mean, it's just like cool for these founders to know when we go back to them and we compile these reports of like who the people that they're reaching, what times they're active. You know, they like to know that stuff because. Um, most people don't utilize this and I really don't know why. Um, so yeah. And then search bios, this is great for like collab managers. I'm sure there's some collab managers working out, but if they want to, Oh, sorry. My phone is right here. Uh, if someone wants to like do a collaboration with Gajira, you can just type in Gajira and you know, you're going to have, let's see, like, mm, there's all of these, you know, accounts with Gajira in it. Um, and I'm sure you could find one that also says collab manager for Gajira. You can DM on Twitter, uh, and essentially, yeah, that, there is what it is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's my, my, my tutorial for, uh, for follower walk. Okay. Yeah, I love that. It's, love it's that. a great tool. It's a great tool. For sure. I'm going to look into it. I want to look into it for sure. Um, and that, by the way, that report that I showed you, um of helix metaverse this one right here you can do that for any account so like if you want to know some of the marketing strategies that these people are deploying how many people how many followers of them are bots usually bots are located in the southeast um asia area you can kind of tell from there uh uh you know how many of them are bots but i'd mostly mm -hmm. go to the social score see if you know they have a one to 20 like helix probably has thirty six thousand bots right now and you know they're my client I'm being transparent here <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, okay, there we go. <laughs> no, that's beautiful, man. All right. Um, I appreciated all the uh, alpha, all the knowledge and wisdom that you've been giving us here on this session. So I appreciate, you know, if anyone else has questions, please, uh, please voice up or send your questions in the chat and then we can go through it together. I'll give you white priorities and helix if you ask a question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just what? I just came in and I saw I saw the data and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a data um, lover and is, is, and I really I just came in is it is a tool that you're selling or is is it a tool that you're, sh you're demonstrating? Oh yeah, so uh, I'm doing this like little panel Web three. I own a Web three marketing agency and this is just one of the tools that I've used in the past. No way affiliated, so uh, they're like twenty bucks a month, but it's super cool. Thank you. I'm gonna mm -hmm. check it out. Yep. That's beautiful. All right. No way, Jose. Yeah, let's, let's go. <laughs> add, add me as a friend. I got you. Um, the founders <laughs> might be pissed at me. Like, why did you randomly add this person? But whatever. <laughs> what are your thoughts on people like Safs and the Alpha Gem guys and all that? Um, what What do you mean? For, have you worked specifically about them? Oh, like, do you have. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a working relationship with that group? Like, um, what's it called? What is? I can't remember. Just RFT Rooftop Club and all that. Do you work with those guys? Yeah, I mean, we we've done some like minor work with groups before. Uh, I know staffs. Uh, very like surface level friendship, but he gave me whitelist in his Alpha Gems Discord, so that's pretty much all I know about that. Okay. Yeah, not rooftop or anything, because they're another agency that does very similar stuff. 
they've worked with Audi and the whole works. They were the ones yeah, making yeah. everything. Yeah, we we actually we collaborate with a lot of agencies. Um, we're trying to work on one right now with um, Coliseum. Um, their founder AK, I think he's starting something called. Yeah, he got pushed out of fifty nuggets. Yeah. So I mean, like we have ongoing partnerships with a lot of contract development agencies, whatever. Like if they refer us clients, they can get commission, and then vice versa. It's just you know trying to help out other people. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. It's uh, a couple people with a allow list. Who else wants an allow list? All right, yeah, All right. that's two already. One more, and then I'll, or else I'll get fired for... <laughs> <laughs> you, know how you, say, you know how you say you guys don't really, or you haven't had to do a bit of outreach for Web2 brands for your, um, for your clients and stuff? And what would you recommend and how would you say to do for a, for a person or for an agency to attract Web2 audience or Web2 companies to come work with you and hire you as a client? Yeah, so right now, my agency is Web3 exclusive. Um, that's just how it's been from the conception. I'm actually like, we're doing this about Web3 marketing. Uh, we're, we're kind of pivoting to like more of a Web3 consulting. I think there's a lot more value there. Uh, so that will be started up soon. But as far as getting Web2 people attracted to your Web3 client's product, uh, it's all about barrier of entry. Like with Big Time Studios, I don't know which of you are familiar with that, but you didn't have to know anything about a wallet or you didn't have to know how to spell NFT to play the game. You could just uh, immediately log in with your email. All of those NFTs were stored on their, uh, I'm sorry, all of those items in game were stored on their marketplaces, NFTs, but um, there was no barrier of entry. Uh, and that's how I think that product should be portrayed. So web two people don't get scared when they're looking at them. Gotcha. Beautiful. I think we saw that recently. Um, I heard in the news, there was a, um, a fashion brand that just, gave people nfts but also gave them a wallet as well like like really breaking it down and like not having people work out all the tricky stuff yeah right. i mean like the, there's there's so many interesting ways to involve web2 communities like i said with helix and i know i'm talking about helix a lot but it's just one of my two clients is you know we collected over a million email addresses because people are eager to get into the space, trust me. Like it's it's um uh, intimidating feat to like open up a wallet, do whatever. But we had a million people sign up for this airdrop, <laughs> uh, and they didn't. All they had to do was enter an email. So uh, if you can make sure that w w whatever brand uh, you're, you're trying to help out can have a seamless onboarding process, then it will be beautiful. So you think that's the biggest um, barrier to entry? The, the, the setting up of the wallet and buying a cryptocurrency and dealing yeah with that. and it's like like i mean if you go on youtube right now and you search up nft guarantee you the top 10 things are going to be about scams like fear porn is that's how the media makes its money right so like it's a combination of people not knowing what the fuck they're doing and being scared because all they hear about is rug pools or this project or what was it squid game coin or whatever um <laughs> The, these projects that, you know, have rugged, people are scared. Uh, but when, uh, for instance, like big time when we're like, hey, I know you probably hate NFTs. I know you're a gamer, but you can download this game. All you have to do is sign up with an email 
these gamers that hated NFTs were like, fuck it, I'll give it a try. And then they played the game. And then we told them like, hey, you can sell these items and recoup your investment. Oh, then they were just like going head over heels because it's like, imagine yeah, playing it's Fortnite. Not even, it's not even you know? NFT. Um, <laughs> NFT isn't the selling point for them. It's, it's, it's the benefit that the NFT offers. Exactly. That's how and you people come to first with the NFTs. And like, hey, do you want an NFT? I'm like, no. Well, do you want something that you can, you know, easily trade and, and, and you know, prove ownership and blah, 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 blah. Well, yes, I want that. Beautifully said. Well said. It's beautiful. No way with the amazing takes. Um, Reese said, uh, Mickey, let's add me, let's talk after this. Okay. Connect that network. Beautiful. Um, me too. No gray WTF. Oh, what the fuck? Do you have a website now, No Gray? It was my I set it up in a few minutes, so it's not very good, but uh, I can't wait to see it. Send it over. No gray dot WTF. No gray dot WTF is not a live website. What? Yeah. Oh I'm not good enough. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> beautiful all right anyone else with questions otherwise oh jackie yeah yeah no no be good be good okay okay yeah um beautiful all right let's do it mickey man that was an amazing session uh oh wait actually one last question for me dude how was your uh nft london event have you gone yet or is that still soon no